There are so many different applications for hypnosis, hypnotherapy, hypno-coaching, and our clients come with a big variety of different topics. Perhaps the most popular or best-known applications for hypnotherapy are smoking cessation and weight loss, but there are so many others. Almost any topic that you can think of can be treated with hypnosis. Now, my name is Axel Hommach. I'm a hypnotist and trainer for self-hypnosis in Cologne, Germany. I'm currently sitting here in London with Dr. John Butler of the HDI, the Hypnotherapy Training International. He is the director of one of the leading schools in hypnotherapy and has over 40 years practical experience. So what is now better than to ask someone who has been in the field for such a long time, what are the topics that our clients come most often with? Hello, John. Hello, Axel. Hello to our listeners. So you've heard my small introduction. And from your experience, just generally speaking, what are the topics that our clients come with most often? Okay, Axel. Well, the most common problems people present with are smoking, weight management, anxiety, anxieties of all kinds, depression, performance issues, wanting to improve performance in sports, in academics, in areas like creativity, and Perhaps so on. Perhaps also career. Yes, of course, in their work, absolutely. Uh, then we have stress-related issues, stress itself in affecting their health and mind-body mind -body problems that may produce a lot of physical conditions for people eventually. And hypnosis has many applications in medical hypnotherapy, as you know. And so we also have people with coming along with unwanted behaviors of various kinds, bad habits, maybe nervous tics, twitches. And these are often stress-related issues. On top of that, I would add in people want to achieve personal goals and perhaps learning self-hypnosis to help them achieve very individual, specific goals they have in life. And another category is really the whole area of personal development, self-development, understanding ourselves through hypnosis as a very powerful form of meditation, getting inner direction and also being able to control our responses so we are actually able to move towards that inner guidance where it's directing us. So hypnosis has application in all of those areas, Axel. I know that here in England uh, people talk about hypnotherapy, but yeah. in other countries it's due to legal reasons it's more diverted into therapy and coaching and i also know that in countries that don't make that legal distinction there are also hypnotists that focus more on coaching and are more working as coaches yes the absolutely. various topics that you mentioned now maybe even also other topics would you say that when we work with our clients, it's more therapy or it's more coaching oriented? Or is it both, maybe? Well, in practice, it's both. Therapy is about healing, helping people to improve themselves. I mean, healing means holism. It's about integration. And that's through understanding. It doesn't have to be a medical, you know, conventional Western medical approach to healing, although it interacts very well with that. However, when we're talking about coaching, I think that has a very positive element to it as well, because 
That is about helping people understand their strengths and helping empower them as opposed to a therapy approach which really focuses on pathology. That you're sick, you're broken, there's something wrong and you now have to be healed of that with the expert doing a lot of the work and the guidance and the client being very much more disempowered. So we can have a sickness or a wellness model almost. Now, I don't think therapy should be always so heavily influenced in that direction, pathology-oriented. We should be health-orientated so that we can deal with the pathologies more effectively. But for historical other reasons, of course, medicine and psychotherapy, psychiatry, and even hypnotherapy have often been very illness-focused about fixing what's wrong, which, of course, is a part of any healing system. But at the end of the day, there has to be this empowerment element, which is very much a good model of coaching. I mean, there are coaches, I'm sure, who encourage dependency, whether they realize it or not. But good clinicians and good coaches encourage and foster the opposite, independence and responsibility taking and empowerment. So Axel, words are just words in one sense, as powerful and important as they can be, they can not always reveal things clearly to us, they can be misused, used to conceal, and frankly, a lot of the terminology used in fields of therapy needs to be more clear. As Gilboyne used to say back to the 1960s, when he taught hypnotherapy, he said, we're more like coaches than therapists in the psychotherapy model of being a therapist, because we're about the strengths and the abilities of the client, helping them understand those, helping them bring them out, accessing that marvelous power we're calling the subconscious power, the creativity of the individual, and using that to help the healing process, help understanding and healing. When you look at the old therapy model in psychotherapy, it was very much influenced by the old Freudian ideas that we were all kind of damaged. We're all the victims of our id, of the unconscious and a very negative portrayal of the unconscious. And hypnotherapy is not that way at all. It is very much the power of the human mind being unleashed, connected with, understood, which is a healing and a journey of learning to do that. It's not just, you know, fine words. You've got to learn yourself hypnosis. You've got to learn the power of suggestion, waking hypnosis and trance hypnosis with good trainers, with a good therapist, and go to a good school. Otherwise, these words don't amount to much. In therapy, we hear a lot about empowerment, yet we have people in therapy for very long periods of time and really not making all that much progress. Even the evidence that says that people can be in therapy and getting worse. So clearly, we need to be more effective as therapists and as coaches and more precisely define what is good therapy, good coaching, and how to achieve it. So in the next few episodes, we are going to look deeper into the various topics that you mentioned yes and we will also then look in each case is it more coaching approach or is it more therapy approach from the mental mindset yes or is it a mixture of both well as you already hinted at probably it's a case of both in each case and that we need maybe some therapy, but in some cases, some coaching is all we need to get our client going. To motivate, inspire them, to get moving towards those goals. It's goal-oriented, it's 
present time living, all of that is, of course, at the core of coaching. I believe it should be at the core of therapy as well. So really, they overlap greatly. And in my mind, they're really the same. When we are actually dealing with healing something that we might say, oh, well, that's therapy rather than coaching. Looking back at some person's past where they've been damaged due to abuse and so on. We don't, at least I don't see that's an issue where we have to spend years of therapy talking about how damaged they are, leading them into a victim mode, even when we're trying not to do that. Because our language and our whole approach is about limitation and weakness and being sick and being tied to the past and influenced by the past. I believe those problems from the past, which do need attention, they do need healing, they do need therapeutic work, that needs to be done in a very positive, focused, empowering manner. And the problems, when we get to them, we're dealing with them in the present, and we're bringing new powerful understanding, new resources to transform those old negative fixed ideas. So it's a very liberating and positive process rather than talking about it for years, which is the disadvantage of the worst kinds of talk therapy, as if talking could cure the problem. Talking about food never fed a hungry man. Talking about change doesn't bring change. And talking about the problem doesn't bring healing. There may be understanding coming from the best kind of talking, and that's a different thing. But talking on its own may just make you worse, make you more aware of a problem, and you're digging a deeper hole. Sometimes it might be necessary to talk about the problem so that the client realizes he has a problem. When we're bringing, as I've said, if you're bringing understanding through the talking, but uh, that's a very specific kind of talking. If talking just meant ruminating on your problems with somebody else, and they're talking to you about them in a similar manner without adding... That sounds like the dependency model. There you go. That's the danger. You keep the people in this ruminating and they are chewing it over and over again and don't find the exit. That's right. They can become very intellectually expert at it and it's like uh, they keep circling the problem all the time, never dealing with it, having more and more intellectualizations about it, which is a defense often against change. It can become a form of self-sabotage because I never get to deal with the problem, which after all is usually a negative fixed idea from the past. It's not all powerful. In many cases, when you really get into it, it's almost like something when we understand it, We could almost laugh at it at times. In one sense, it has been crippling us, but it was maybe only a childish misunderstanding that daddy didn't love me enough. And it's a tragic irony about the whole thing, a tragic misconception in the child, which is now destroying the adult's life. But the idea that it takes years to cure that, to fix that in therapy, is a myth. It's like saying, well, you've had it for 50 years, so it may take another 20 years to be really rid of it. I mean, which is utter nonsense. The brain, the human mind, uh, without making uh, exorbitant claims, when it gets the true proper perspective on the problem, can often release that very quickly, provided there's readiness for change. There's no hanging on to old alibis and victim states, you know, and then secondary gains. Change can happen very, very quickly. However, the preparation for change, in some people's cases, 10 years before they finally come along to therapy and say, I'm so much in need of help, I'm ready to change. And if this therapist knows what they're doing, then I can be helped. The readiness for change, we had that in our mini-series before. So 
Anybody of our listeners who wants to know more about the readiness for change, check out our previous episodes. A very big topic. Very big. John, so you have a list of episodes that we are going to talk about. The next one that we are going into, the next concrete topic, why clients come to us. Yeah, you've just given me a list What's, here with smoking, weight loss. Yeah, which one are we going to use? Well, let's start at the top. Smoking okay. is a very important one. So, dear listeners, we are going to continue in our next episode of our mini-series on topics why clients come to us with smoking. If you want to work with smokers or already are working with smokers and might encounter various difficulties, John will provide you with some very helpful ideas how to tackle the problem. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Axel. Thanks to the listeners. And talk to you in a moment in the next episode. Thank you.